My name is Chris. I'm the lead pastor. And how many of you are excited for summer? A couple of you. Yeah. All the parents are like, eh, I don't know about that. But here we go. So anyway, growing up, I was a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. Don't hold that against me. But um, but listen, here's what I've learned is there's a difference between being a fan and a player. A radical difference. Being a fan means you get to show up whenever you want to on the Sunday. You kind of put your, you get your refreshments, you get whatever you want. You get to put on the jersey. And if you're really a radical fan, you paint your body. You do kinds of crazy stuff. And you get to feel the, the thrill of victory or whatever, the defeat. But there's a difference if you're a player, right? Because if you're a player, you show up every single day to practice. You show up, there's some blood, there's some sweat, there's some tears, there's some meetings, there's strategy planning, all this. You know your weaknesses, the coaches are coaching you up, telling you, hey, here's your weakness, how, here's how you can get stronger. Then you also find out that you need to know your enemy's weaknesses and strengths, maybe even just as much as you need to know your own. And so there's a radical difference between someone showing up and being a fan of a team and someone who's actually a player. And this morning, what I want us to think about is to take that illustration and think about that is what Jesus has asked of us to be a part of his church, is that he doesn't want just raving fans. He wants people that are on his team, that we do more than just put on the jersey and say that, hey, we're here. We know Jesus is going to win. But Jesus requires us and ask of us not only to put on the jersey of his team, but to join him in the blood, sweat, and tears and the work, the strategy planning that it takes. Now, we already know as followers of Jesus that we've won the game. So we have... We, we already know we have a good motivation. We're going to win so we can work harder because we know we're going to win. However, there's a tendency sometimes around church for a lot of people to just kind of be here and be around and be fans of Jesus, but not actually be on the team with Jesus. And so I want to challenge you just a little bit this morning. Think about where God has you and where he wants to move you and maybe an opportunity to become a part of the team here at Cross Point Community Church. Now, we don't do this kind of message very often, but I'm hoping that you walk out of this place and you're inspired and you're on fire and that you're a fan of Jesus, but even more than a fan, you're on the team for Jesus. As a Jesus follower, you have a responsibility to join a team, a local team. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, it says this, Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. So in that moment that you said yes to Jesus, you have signed up to not just wear the jersey, but to say, hey, I need to find a local team to be a part of so that I can advance the mission of Jesus Christ. And that we know that as people that are advancing the mission of Jesus Christ, again, that we have already won the victory. So we have a little extra encouragement to get in and to do the hard work that's going to require of us to carry forth the mission. Here's another thing to think about. There are no free agents and there are no retired players on the team of Jesus. Think about this. How ridiculous would it be for a team to show up to the game and decide that they're going to be better off with seven to eight players instead of 11? To think that, hey, I'm going to kind of, there's a, the other team has 11 position players. They've prepared, they've worked, they've done all this stuff. And then another team shows up and says, eh, we got seven. This has happened who showed up. It'd be good enough. Listen, a lot of churches operate that way. As ridiculous as it sounds, there's a lot of churches that operate that way, and they are not fully functioning in the way that God would have them to function. Our opponent, every single Sunday, every single week, shows up with 11 position players ready to rock and roll. 
They know their strengths and weaknesses, and they definitely know our strengths and our weaknesses. And they're doing everything they can possibly do to attack us and to hurt us. And so for us, we need to do everything we can possibly do. I mean, I've even heard of teams in the NFL where they'll deflate footballs, they'll film work, they'll film walkthroughs of the other teams and then change their plays, and then they would call themselves great because they win championships through cheating. I don't know who would do that, but I've heard of it. The Cowboys would never do that. We have a chance every single week to put 11 well-prepared people on the field. As a matter of fact, we have an opportunity to put more than 11 on the field because we get to play by the rules that Jesus makes. And that as a team, we can overwhelm our enemy. We can overwhelm the enemy whenever we are on task together doing what he's called us to do. We get in the strategy meetings. We know our weaknesses. And we are no longer fans just wearing the right clothes, but we're actually doing it together. There are places where sometimes in in churches people are more worried about what jerseys you're wearing. Are you wearing the right clothes? Is the band playing the right song at the right speed? What color is the carpet? Who's going to do this or who do that? And we get so worried about the peripheral stuff that we forget about the main thing, which is the message of Jesus Christ. If you are a Jesus follower and you're not actively participating on a team, you are missing out. There are no perfect teams. Every team hope springs eternal at the beginning of the season. But for us as Jesus followers, that's our message. Hope springs eternal every single day because of who Jesus is. We will win. It's just a matter of how much are we going to be involved in that. You know, at the end of the season, there's going to be one team that wins the trophy. There's going to be one team that wins the ring. And those players that have been on that team, that have done the work, done all the different stuff that they do, there's a great elation over the victory, and there's this thing called a championship ring that comes. Guess what? Players get them. Fans do not. Fans can maybe in a few years later buy one and pretend that they were there, but they don't get one. But for us, as followers of Jesus, jumping in on the team, we get a championship ring. The reward is Jesus. The reward is being together. But there will come a time where we get a championship ring, not because of what we've done necessarily, but because we've joined in on a team with him. So this morning, that's what I want to challenge you to think about, is that you are a follower of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he desires for you to be a part of a local church body, a local team. And what does he expect of you? To to live out your faith. There's two things that he expects of us. The first thing is the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is what Jesus was asked. What's the greatest commandment? And as religious leaders are thinking about all this different stuff, and Jesus boils it down into that. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. In other words, worship. Give God the worth of everything that you've got. Give it to him because he is worthy of that. That is the first and greatest commandment. And there's a second one. Out of this movement of worshiping God, giving him everything, the second thing that we're supposed to do is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. In other words, that we see our neighbors through the eyes that Jesus sees them, and we're moved because of our worship of him, we're moved to care for them. We're moved to love them. We're moved to be generous. We're moved to be sacrificial because we are worshiping God wherever we go, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're not just fans. We're actually on the team. These are the great commandments and the great commission. And the great commission, Jesus tells us, I have give, come and you have, I have all authority on heaven and earth have been given to me. Now, this is one of the last things that he says to his disciples. 
He's already been dead. He's been buried. He's been resurrected. And one of the last things that he comes and he tells his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. So he's talking from a kingly, from a leader stance. And what does he say? The commission that he gives. Therefore, you, my disciples, go and make disciples. In other words, go and make other followers of Jesus. Go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples all the commands I have given you. And what are the commands that he's given them? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with everything, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Those are simple things, and we are horrible at them, aren't we? It's simple, but we're horrible at it. Jesus says, do those things. Teach them those commands that I've given you. Love the Lord with all of your heart and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And be sure of this. I am with you always to the end of the age. This reminds me of what Joshua was told by God last week when he said, be strong and courageous. I've given you a task. You're going to be leading and people are going to be looking at you and watching you. Be strong and courageous. And Joshua, how are you going to be a successful leader of the nation of Israel? It's not military strategy, but it's by knowing and meditating on the words of God. To be very strong and very courageous when you try to live out your faith. And here Jesus is telling that to his disciples. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth, and I will be with you every single day that you're trying to live this out because you are going to need to be strong and courageous. Because the thing that you're doing by giving worth to me and caring for your neighbors is countercultural. To be a follower of Jesus is countercultural. It always will be. The very thing that I do on Sunday means that many of you will not like me on Monday. Because what do I do on Sunday? I truth tell. Guess what I get to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is I'm studying the truth-telling, and it hurts me just as much as it hurts you. Truth-telling is not something that we like. Whenever truth begins to come against us, it begins to hurt, it begins to slough off those things. And here, as the followers of Jesus, there are moments when you are truth-telling, and that is counter-cultural. You may not even say a word, but by the way that you live your life, You're showing that the world is different, that you believe in Jesus and that you have different ways of doing things. The purposes of the New Testament church are to worship, to do ministry, to do fellowship on a deeper level. Because when we gather together, we're around a shared purpose in person, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And that our life is about telling others that hope springs eternal in Jesus Christ and seeing others come to know the Jesus that we know. The characteristics of the New Testament church, we see that in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So here Jesus has died, buried, resurrected, and then the disciples have gathered together in a room. They've been praying together. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, and here's what's happening. Right before these verses, it says, Peter preached the first sermon, the first New Testament sermon after the death of Jesus, and many people, 5,000 men, repented and were baptized. And immediately churches began to spring up. And this is what the churches, the characteristics of these churches. Here it is. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They gathered together for worship, setting like this, to fellowship. And again, koinonia fellowship. They got in some small groups and did life together. And to sharing in meals. So they were Baptists. We know that. Including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. They knew that prayer was essential to the church. The movement of God is not based upon anything other than the prayer of his people coming together and saying, God, not my will, but your will. 
And so they were seeing God's will happen. And so what happened in that sense? A deep sense of awe came over all of them. This is a sense of worship, a reverence for who God is and what he's doing. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. There was a spirit of generosity about them that people that saw them said, I want to be a part of that community. I don't even fully understand what they're about, but I understand that there are generous people that have encountered Jesus and their life is radically different. So they began to sell their possessions and the property that they had and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together every day at the temple. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. This is an interesting thing for us to think about. It's easy to go over that, but here's the question. Would our community know and recognize that Crosspoint Community Church was not here if we closed tomorrow? Would our community know and recognize and miss us if we were not here tomorrow? Listen, there are churches this week that are closing and their community will not miss them. Our prayer is, our hope is, is that we continue to grow in influence through the person of Jesus Christ and that our community knows that we are here for them and love them and care for them and they would miss us that they would weep over the fact that we are not here being a lighthouse and being a community that is centrifuged out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday because we gather here on Sunday to remember who Jesus is in our life and what he's done for us so that we can go out and hope springs eternal and share that with our neighbors as we worship him. That that should be the church that we're known is that people understand that this, this church here, they may do some things that are radically different because they are all about Jesus and pointing at least one more person today, one more person this week to the person of Jesus. And we're going to do whatever we can possibly do to do that, except change the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that is the power. So we're going to be conservative in our theology, and we're going to be progressive in our methodology. We will do whatever we can possibly do to bring one person to Jesus Christ, because that's our deal. And so what's the last thing that they're known for? Is on a regular basis, people were coming to know Jesus Christ. If we're a club, we just gather on Sunday and never have an impact on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But a church comes together at times of worship. We're encouraged, we're challenged, and we're centrifuged out to the places that God has us. Whether it's work, whether it's school, whether it's whatever extracurricular things that we do, people know that we're followers of Jesus because we've centrifuged out and we're pursuing worshiping him. So a New Testament church is known for their teaching. They're known for the depth of the fellowship. And I love hearing the stories about our life groups of how they call each other at 2 a.m. or they go to the hospital and they do the different things. And I find out later as a pastor because you're caring for each other so well in your life groups. That's what it is. That's that deep shared fellowship that you have, that you're praying together, that there's, this church is known for its generosity within the community, that people ask and we are able to fund and do a lot of things because of your ability to say, I, whatever people need, we will do it. And that we are a church that's known in the community as, hey, they're going to do whatever needs to be done to care for and to reach the people. And that is what we are known for, and I hope to continue to be able to grow in that. Well, how do we do that kind of stuff around here? What are we focused on? Number one is worship, is that we gather here and that we plan these things out. Many of the messages that you hear are planned a year or more out prayed through, thought through, studied through, talked about, and all that. Every once in a while, life happens, and we change some things here and there. We allow for the Spirit. But I also believe that the Spirit can talk to me in June of 2019 for a sermon in June of 2021. 
It's miraculous how it happens. Okay, time after time after time, we pray for something, we're prepping, and all of a sudden life happens. We're like, we've been prepping for this for two years, and we didn't even know it was going to happen. And so we plan and pray and prep for these services. Nothing here on Sunday happens haphazardly. Now, crazy things happen, but that's not um, outside of just humanity, right? We also wholeheartedly believe that Jesus says, let the little children come unto me. And so we are wholeheartedly a part of we want to be a place where children are welcome, children are loved, children are not just heard, but also seen and appreciated and are raised up in a way that they understand that they know that they are loved and cared for and that Jesus loves and cares for them, and they hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And that we also, in the midst of that, help you as parents raise up your kids. Because we know not all of us had good mentors of parents and grandparents that raised us up in the faith. And we need helps. We need tools. We need resources. And so we have Home Point and all kinds of different things that we give you today to resource you so that you can be the mom and dad. Because you are the main trainer uppers of your children. They will see what you do and they will live it. So if you live it in the home and outside of the home, they're more likely to follow it. And one of the ways that you can do that is be trained up in that. And it's not easy being a parent or a grandparent. None of us are perfect. We're all normal till you get to know us, right? And even our kids, they know us, even all the stuff, okay? We also believe in students, that as students are growing up and beginning to own their faith, that they've got Harry and Henrietta the hormone, they've got Insta, they've got Twitter, they've got all this different stuff. Everything is like pushing in on them, and they're trying to exert who they are. And the thing that we want students to grasp is that they are who they are in Christ, and that's their foundation that they find their identity in him and him alone. And through that, then you can talk about dress, you can talk about all this other stuff. But if we find our identity in him and he's our foundation, then all that other stuff kind of helps fill in some of the gaps. Because each one of us are uniquely different, but we all should be finding our identity in the person of Christ. Then also life groups, again, we've talked about that, that that's where you have friends and I kind of call it the cheers thing, that when you walk in, somebody goes, Norm, right? We all want to be known, Listen to this. We all want to be known, but most of us don't want to be known. We don't really want people to know us, but if we're truly to become who Christ wants us to be and understand our identity, people have to know us. People have to know us that can we can walk in the room and go, Chris, and you're like, <laughs> that fool knows me and still loves me. That's the kind of friends we need. And that happens in a life group settings where we can walk in a room. It's like, Chris. And they're like, I know. I know you. And they still hug you and wrap their arms around you and say, I love you. We need friends, and that happens in life groups. We also want to be a, a people that are living on mission. We say around here a lot of times, do you have a passport? And that's just a reminder of, listen, our next-door neighbors are mission field. Your school is a mission field. Your place is different things that you do. That's a mission field. But also there may be a time where we walk in and say, hey, we're going to such and such in two weeks. And if you don't have a passport, guess what? You are not going to get a passport in two weeks. It's not going to be happening. So I don't want you to miss out on an opportunity that God may have for you because you've missed it. So here's some of the words that you'll hear around here. No perfect people allowed. How many of you are perfect? Cool. Then you're allowed. Okay. What does that mean? That means this is a place of grace. This is a place where everyone is accepted. I get calls all the time. Can my kid or my grandkid who struggles with X come to your place? I'm like, yes. I haven't met somebody that walked through our door that doesn't struggle with something. Some of it's more evident than others. Like, hey, look, I struggle with Chinese food buffets. 
All right? Is that obvious? Don't say it. All right? I struggle with barbers. Okay? I mean, we all have things that we struggle with. Let's just be honest about it. And this is where we can, as followers of Jesus, find some people that do life with us, and we understand that none of us are perfect. We can walk into this place, and it is a place that is messy, that we bring the stuff of the week here. And one of the things, the beautiful thing about this is we can lay that stuff here at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, you are sufficient enough to cover over my mess. Why am I still trying to clean myself up? in my own power, the power of the gospel is he's already done the work. We're just trying to understand how he's already done it. One of the other things that we teach here a lot is attend one, serve one, is that we believe that you should be attending service as often as you're in town and also serving, and we understand that you're busy. That may mean that you're a Little League baseball coach. That may mean that you're a dance team person. That may mean you're a soccer mom. It may mean whatever. Every different thing that you're doing Those are opportunities for you to serve, but also when you're here, don't miss out on opportunities to gather together with the family here and be encouraged by us and uh, do the things that you do. We also say life is better in circles than in rows. Why? Because you gather together in a circle and you begin to laugh, you begin to tell stories. It usually means that you're eating and you're fellowshipping, and so you're doing life together. It also means in those areas, a lot of times that means that you're serving together as well. And so that when you're serving together, it takes two people across from each other to lift up something heavy, and you're working and you're struggling together. Life is better in circles than in rows. It means this is good, worship, but true life change and deep change and friendships happen in circles. So get in a life group and serve with other people, and then also get that passport. Get it. Get it done. Get your paperwork. Get it because you're going to have some opportunities. We're going to be in the next week. You're going to hear about a, a new trip to Puerto Rico coming this summer. And uh, even though you don't need a passport for that, get one anyway. We uh, have a new partnership in Zimbabwe. And we got a small team there going at the end of this year and kind of prepping work for that. And so you're going to need to get your stuff. You're going to start needing to get in your shots. All the different things that you're going to need to do. I've taken a group to Israel in October. You're going to have to have a passport. You know, see what I'm saying? And so there are things that you have an opportunity to do. And if you don't have a passport, you're going to be like, man, I want to go. And you're going to be like that kid that says, man, I wish I'd gone to camp or I missed gone on that mission trip. And people are talking about their experiences. And I'll tell you this, I cannot put you in a photo you did not go to. Okay, so if you don't want to miss out on something, get your stuff together and go. One of the other things we say here, even some of you wear the shirts, is love does. And that's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. That is, his children, we are to mimic his attitude and his character. And so as his children, we are to be irrationally generous people. That people look at us and say, I would never give the way that those people give. And we would say, we are giving like our father has given to us. He counted the costs and said, you are worth it. That our neighbors, we count the cost of what it may mean for us to give to them. And they may never give anything in return, but it's all about pointing people to Jesus. You think Jesus counted the cost? He did. And he knew that there were people that would look at the gift and refuse the gift. For us, it's the same thing. We have opportunities to love and to care and to be extravagantly generous. And there may be times that people say, I don't want it. I don't want the Jesus that you're talking about. It's our job just to put it before him. That's our call. Love does extravagantly. And then also I want us as a church here at Cross Point Community Church to be known what we are for more than what we're known for what we're against. The world knows what we're against. They're telling them all the time. National news will tell them for us. 
What we want people to know is that here at Crosspoint Community Church is that we are for people. We are for LaGrange. We are for Schulenburg. We are for Smithville. We're for Weimar. We're for, and I'm naming all these places because we have people that regularly attend here from all of those places. And so what we want them to know is, hey, we gather here together, whether it's in person or online at all these places, but when we're out in our communities is that we are for them, helping them, resourcing them, be the neighbor that they need to be to the neighbors around them. It may not be right here in town. It may be somewhere else, but we want them to be able to know and understand that they are for them. And, again, that's our extravagance, our generosity as a community together. We'd love for you to consider moving away from being a fan of Jesus and a fan of Crosspoint to become a part of the membership here. And, again, it's not something I ask all the time, but we're coming out of COVID I know a lot of people have been watching online, been doing all this different stuff, and our numbers, all that different stuff have grown. Our finances have grown, all these different things, and it tells me that you like what God is doing here in our midst, and I want to invite you to be a part of that. Even this last couple of weeks as a staff, we sat around and said, if on a Sunday, if every single position was filled like we need it to be filled, how many people would need to be serving actively on a Sunday? Ninety people. That's a lot of people. But that allows us to fully function that every kid has a small group leader on Sunday like they need. That there are people at every single door greeting you with a smile and helping you park your car, giving you an umbrella, doing all the different things that we would love to do and to offer for you. And all of those things are not so we can be a cool church. It's so that one person can be pointed to Jesus. Everything we do is with that intention. We do the things that we do with purpose, and that is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Messy people saying, I'm going to deal with other people's messiness if they'll deal with mine, and the power of Jesus Christ. And that's what God has called us to do, is to love our neighbors in their mess in the way that God loved us in our mess. So this morning, will you think about it? Will you think about becoming a part of the team here at Crosspoint? There are connection cards in front of you. We'd love for you to to fill out that, ask some questions. It's not a necessarily a commitment today. There's boxes out. Begin to ask questions of what does it mean, what would it look like for me to join the team here at Crosspoint so that we can do the things that God has for us here. We have some exciting stuff. And every pastor I talk to, the two things that they need more of, you know what it is? People and money. We can do some incredible things. If everyone said, this is our place and we're ready to get on the field and play 11 on 11 against the enemy and win the battles. I love each and every one of you, and I would love for you to be a part of the family here and to see what God has in store for you and be challenged in that way. Let's pray together. Dear Holy Father, thank you so much that you counted the cost and you gave the greatest gift in the person of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that for each one of us in this room, that we would be raving fans of Jesus, that people would know that we're on your team, but that we wouldn't just be raving fans, but that we would be players on the team. Father, whether that means that we're even just there giving water to some other people, whether that means we're doing something else, whether the quarterback, whatever may, the role you may have for us on the team, that we are there ready to play and to be participants. The Father, to not miss out on the joys of victory that we have in you.
and with you. Father, may you just challenge our hearts, challenge our minds, and allow us to just kind of decide, is this where we need to plant and to take our stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.